my story, how I got to Jesus, and what I was like prior to Jesus. But before I, I want to preface this by saying, in no way am I rejoicing or bragging about my old life. Raised as a single child in a single parent home most of my life, I had no brothers or no sisters. I had to work to get what I wanted. No, I was not a spoiled child as many would think. My mother worked several jobs, two jobs to be exact, but it wasn't so that she could buy everything for me. It was so that she could keep the roof over our heads. And if we had anything extra left over, then she would take that and possibly buy me something, which oftentimes she would. You know, she took me on trips, uh, Disneyland quite a bit back in the days when Disneyland still had the coupon book. Missed those days. Uh, so anyway, uh, as a child, that that's pretty much my childhood. We played BB guns, uh, had BB gun fights, uh, went camping, that sort of thing. Fast forward uh, to my adulthood. Uh, after high school is when I start having my real experiences uh, in life. Uh, I had some run-ins with the, uh, the law, the legal people, the sheriffs in the area that I was raised in, the sheriff's patrol, uh, that area. And I had run-ins with them. Uh, most of it was to my loss. But nevertheless, it was an experience. Nothing major, no, no time in the county jail and all that kind of stuff. But nevertheless, I did have my run-ins with the law enforcement. You know, they pull you over. I can recall I had drinking. I was I was an avid drinker. We used to go down to uh, go over or down well, where we lived. It would be down to Brookside Park and hang out with the neighbors that lived around Brookside Park or the people that lived down the street from me or around the corner from me. Uh, we would all go down to Brookside Park and hang out and and drink our beers. I think a lot of you men that uh, and nowadays probably women that's listening to this can relate to the hanging out uh, with your friends and drinking. Uh, we didn't call it partying, as you guys may call it today. Those of you who aren't saved and listening to this testimony, but we just called it drinking and hanging out, listening to our old songs and the oldies, the Motown sound. Uh, you know, the stuff from the 60s, uh, Temptations, uh, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. Uh, I don't know. I can't can't think of them all, but I think most of you have the idea. Um, listening to that kind of music, that kind of stuff and, and hanging out. Uh, but there came a time, had a lot of friends, females and males. I had a really nice fancy car that wherever I drove that 1981 Cutlass that was lowered, wherever I drove that car around, I had it in 1979 or 80, excuse me, before the 81s was on the lot. I was fortunate enough to be able to get it prior to most of the new cars coming out. And I can recall 
a friend of mine as uh, a well, I haven't seen him in a long time, but a guy that I knew, uh, I still know him. I just haven't seen him in a while. But uh, this guy suggested that I modify my car. Now, it was stock, regular old car. He said, just get it lowered. Uh, no, I don't want to be a low rider. You won't be a low rider because I wouldn't have all those fancy rims and tires. But I would just have a low profile car. So after pondering, still being an old worldly guy, didn't know Jesus, God was not in all my thoughts, God was not in any of my thoughts, can I get a witness out there? Uh, God just wasn't a part of my ideology at all at that point in life. So I, uh, so I did what he said, I, I called him up, I said, you know what, I thought about it, I saw these examples of the stock cars on television. Uh, watching the start car, stock car races, how nice they look going around the corners. Let's do it. So he took me out on Truman Road in San Fernando Valley, got the car lowered two inches all the way around and drove off. Took about half hour to, for them to do that work. My car and his car. I think it was like 60, 70 bucks to do it. I, I don't know. But back in 1981, I don't remember the price. But anyway... It went from a standard looking car to a lower looking car, a low profile car. Remember, now this was the first, uh, this car hadn't been on the market, uh, readily available on the market in mass quantity. So if anybody had one, I was one of the first few to have this particular 1981 Cutlass Supreme uh, with that baby blue two door with the uh, the cutlass rims that it came on in white wall tires. So we just lowered it. It looked very nice. I noticed I had to drive a little differently because of bumps. I learned all that at, you know, trial and error. You got the car, you're driving out of driveway. You got to go in the driveway a certain way, come out of driveway a certain way, uh, go over speed bumps a certain way. So these things I learned. But I was not raised into that. I, my first introduction into the low profile car. But here's what happened. I noticed that I started getting a lot of attention. And uh, as I stopped at stoplights, people would at, look at the car and, hey, nice car. I'm like, oh, OK, hey. just kind of wave and say, thank you. Uh, I can remember one night. Uh, had the car all cleaned up and shiny. Now, remember, this is 1980, and I had a 1981. When you could freely cruise Hollywood Boulevard, I was on Hollywood Boulevard, and a taxi cab driver uh, pulled up on the passenger side of the car, looking all excited and waving, gesturing at me to roll the window down. This is one of those hot summer nights like it is now. Uh, a hot summer day, hot summer night. I was on Hollywood Boulevard cruising up and down, just driving up and down the boulevard, looking at houses, uh, not houses, looking at people and the events that's going on. Hey, are they, this is what he said. Hey, are they making them that way? No, no, I had this fixed like this. Oh, okay, nice car, took off. So this kind of, uh, this behavior, uh, this attention was continual, even around the city that I grew up in. A lot of people, knew the car, knew me in the car, knew that I, what my occupation was at that time. 
because they could see the car parked in the parking lot while I was out uh, around town doing the work uh, that I was paid to do. Uh, I picked up a second job. I would park the car at the parking lot at the second job at the gas station on the corner against the wall. The car, it made it really look really low when you park a low profile car against the wall, it looked even lower. I would get attention there from mainly females and males. People walk up to me anytime, all the time. And I know you, your name is this. Uh, but but I never met you, you know, but I know you, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, so uh, I met a lot of people and I made a lot of friends. I can remember frequently during the day of the answering machine and all we had was pay phones and home phones. I can remember uh, going home and my answering machine would be full full of messages. Hey, what are you doing this Friday? Hey, what are you doing tonight? Hey, come over and do this. Hey, let's hang out. Hey, let's drink a beer. All this sort of stuff. I got to the point to where I believe that these people were really my friends. Now, out of it, I did obtain a few friends. I had some friends that I grew up with in the neighborhood, and I had some friends that I met, people that I met because of the car, but we became friends real friends. And I also had a motorcycle in those days that, that matched the car. It was both blue, nice motorcycle, nice car, still living at home, early 20s. I thought I had it going on. Thought I was the man. I even had credit cards. Oh my goodness. Shopping at the Broadway. Uh, so anyway, um, so I was living that lifestyle. Uh, you know, parties, drinking, meeting people, and almost everything you can think of that goes along with that. I did have some sort of limitations. Some people today don't have any limitations and they get themselves in big trouble. Uh, so one day I got tired of my job. And I just said, hey, you know, I'm quitting. I'm done. So I quit and I still had payments to make on my car. So I drove around trying to find a place to make payments. I mean, to get a new job. Remember this. Here's one lesson in life I learned. Never quit a job until you have another job lined up. That way you can just go from one to the other and there's no major uh, in, uh, decrease or no substantial decrease anyway in the cash flow. And you just have to time everything just right for that. So, I got a phone call from the people I'm making my car payments to. They say, hey, we got notification that your insurance has not been paid. We can drop you on our insurance, but it's going to cost you a whole lot of money. Now, in my very early 20s, uh, I, I really didn't know what to do. I, you know, I was close to getting the job, but no guarantees. They said you could bring the car back. No problems. Won't mess with your credit. So I bought the car back. No problems. Didn't mess with my credit. Good to go. But one day I was catching the bus. Now, this is how people are. There's there's a reason why I'm telling you about this. This is how people are. I was walking down the street to catch the bus because where I live was the beginning of the bus route. So as I was walking to the bus, sitting on the wall that everybody used to sit on to wait for the bus to come, this guy walks up who I didn't even know, but he knew the car. He knew me in the car. 
Hey, what happened to the car? Oh, man, you know, I was on the way to look for a job. Hey, what happened to the car? Oh, man, I got rid of it. Uh, why'd you do that? Well, a long story. I didn't know him. I wasn't going to share my life with him. Well, but, well, by the time I got home, he was the only one that knew beside my parents. By the time I got home, this was just an average day. There was no messages on the answer machine like it used to be, filled up, overflowing, you know, your messages are full, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, I kind of got on the phone and start calling a few numbers that I had to see what they were doing. And they said, hey, you know, we heard about your car. Well, how could you do that? It just happened a couple of days, like maybe Friday, and here it is Monday, and I just got on the bus. And uh, told this guy, and now the room, the news has spread all over the city, high and low. That's why my phone wasn't ringing like it used to. And it just dawned on me, snap, these people really wasn't my friends. It was all about the car. I, I could say most of the people. They wanted to be seen in the car. They wanted to be seen hanging out with me. They wanted to be with the car. I see. So fast forward through life, I, I did get a job thanks to Ron. He got me a job at Intermedics Intraocular over on Foothill Boulevard in Pasadena right across the street from uh, IHOP, that little shopping center. I don't know if it's still there. But that's where it was. And uh, there was a guy that came from New York named Richard. I don't know. I can't remember Richard's last name. I know Ron's, but I'm not going to say it. Anyway, Richard started giving me Bible studies at break time. And he even came over to my house one day and gave me a Bible study. Uh, I, I wasn't getting it. I wasn't understanding it. And I told him, I'm not understanding it, Richard. I'm just not getting. That was my first introduction into the word of God. This would have been around 82, 83, maybe somewhere in there. So anyway, uh, one day Richard came in over to the house. Uh, he says, look, I have all. He was a DJ back in the Big Apple, New York, and he, he dressed pretty differently. I'll tell you that. So he uh, he uh, brought over all his records that he used to have. He had a suitcase. He had orange crates uh, full of albums, LPs, long playing. I think he gave me like about four or five of them, plus the two or three I already had. So now my record collection just instantly grew immensely. But but as we were leave, as he was leaving, he drove a car up. We unloaded. As he was leaving, he drove. I walked him out to the car. Wave. See you later, Richard. He drove off. I saw another head in the back seat of the car. So I waited half an hour or hour. I gave him a call at his house. Hey, Richard. I didn't know you had somebody in the car. You could have bought him in the house. They didn't have to sit outside. He didn't believe what I said. So he asked me to repeat it. So I did. 
And he says, you know, when I drove up there, I didn't have anybody in the car. It was just me and all these rec- those records I gave you. Dun, dun, dun. So I started to think and, wow, something's going on here. He said, that must have been my guardian angel. So anyway, life happens. I think he got married and uh, the Bible studies prior to him getting married kind of just faded away. So back into my, uh, since I really wasn't understanding the Bible, I went back to my secular worldly ways, listening to music, going to clubs. I bought a little VW Bug, nothing fancy, dinged up, banged up, beat up Volkswagen to drive around town. Still have one of my faithful high school friends, a couple, a couple of other school fr- uh, neighborhood friends down the street. They were still tight. We still hanging out with each other. They didn't care about the, uh, the cut list because we knew each other on a whole nother level. Uh, so anyway, um, but I always felt that was more for my life. There was something more than just hanging out, drinking, paying for other people's way to have fun at my expense. And they said they would pay me back and they never did. Or if they would pay me back, it wouldn't be cash in my pocket. It may be a way of, We'll pay you back by buying you a beer. We'll pay you back by paying your way into the club, something like that. But that got old, too. Even seeing the same people at different clubs, that got old, too. So now I'm doing the same thing at home, drinking beer, hanging out. So one day, but I still felt I wanted more out of life. This just wasn't it. This is just, come on. This, there's got to be more to it than life. But I didn't have the answer. And then something has entered into my heart. Something entered into my soul and it said, you know, you got to make it to heaven. I don't know. It was just a thought, but, you know, God must have given me that thought. So I started thinking in that direction. I had to back off of things that I was doing, but it was hard to quit drinking. Some say I was an alcoholic. I just said I drank a lot. But when you do it morning, noon and night every day, I guess you are an alcoholic and you do it to the maximum. I guess you are an alcoholic. So I can remember vividly in the backyard of my mother's house with a bottle of old English 800 or 40 ounce in my hand. It was at nighttime. And I'm, I think it may have been in the wintertime, November, December, October, but it was ch- kind of chilly out. And I tipped that bottle up. And as I'm drinking that bottle, I'm saying, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to make it to heaven. That's why I'm drinking that bottle. This is getting old. I'm going to make it to heaven. So now uh, life takes its course. A couple of buddies start moving out. People start growing older. We start, our interests change. Still drinking when we can. Still hanging out when we can. But for the most part, people were finding girlfriends, moving out, starting life, starting their families. So, uh, God had his hand upon me because I met a person at the Long Beach Mall who introduced Jesus Christ to me in a whole different light. This person was excited about God, made the word exciting for me, and this person introduced me to the word of God in truth. This person had made it clear for me to understand. And I've known this person now for more than 29 years or 28 to be for sure, uh, the best friend of my life, 
This person has introduced me to Jesus and changed my whole life. Took me definitely from a world of sin and shame to a world of happiness with no one to blame. Yes, I can't blame anybody for this life that I'm living now with Jesus is much, much better. So my testimony, and that was all the, the rough times that I had doing the marijuana, drinking the beers, having the party. I'd say that was uh, not parties, but drinking, hanging out. I, oh, but I did go to parties. I would say that might have been about a two to three year span of my life. Man. Two to three span out of my period span, two to three years out of my life. But at least God did get a hold of me and change me. Why am I saying all this? I'm saying this because there's somebody out there whose life is similar. There's someone out there whose life could be much worse or not as bad. And you're trying to find a way to change just like I was. I couldn't change on my own. I had to receive what the person who gave me the Bible study was saying. Once I started to receive it, and here's the key, I went to church one night with this person, and uh, or a Sunday morning first, and I heard the preaching. As we discuss this story every now and then, the person tells me I was drunk when I went or had been drinking one or the other when I went that Sunday morning. But I don't know if I was that intoxicated because uh, the word made sense to me and it pierced my soul and got into my mind and to my heart. Got in it so far, so much that when the preacher, which was the pastor in Pasadena, California on um, Rosemead Boulevard, when, uh, when he finished, I said, you know what? I went up and talked to him. I said, you know, I want to get baptized. He said, fine, we'll do it tonight. Come back tonight, bring extra change of clothes, and we'll baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Well, praise God. All right, so we did it. Went back Sunday night, took some clothes at the end of the service, they said, we're going to baptize somebody. Come on up. I went up there. He said, based upon the confession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And he put me under the water, fully submerged, nothing above the water. My whole body was under the water as if you're swimming in a swimming pool and you dive under the water. Only I didn't dive under I was sitting on something they have in their tanks and they just bent me backwards. And uh, I came up out of that water speaking in tongues as the spirit of God gave the utterance. Hallelujah. The church, everybody was happy and they exploded and danced and shouting and praising God. This was a whole different club atmosphere for me from what I was used to. Like these people are happy. They're excited because I changed my life. Hallelujah. I went from one way of living to another way of living. And they saw that. They experienced it. And that was over, that was about 29, 28, 30 years ago. And I'm still living for God today. Still excited about God today. 
when I was, as I was getting out of the tank, there was an elderly woman. I remember her. I don't know her name. And she had a cane in her hand. And she was looking so excited. She was waving that cane around in her hand, leaning against the baptismal tank. And she said, that was exciting. Can we do it again next Sunday? <laughs> Praise God. Man, I felt so good coming out. I felt cleansed. I felt the weight of the world came off my shoulders. I felt like a new creature, a new being, a new start in life. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I felt really good. Now, just to let you know something, before that, I had tried on my own to quit drinking. The smoking of the marijuana, that was nothing. That, that I was able to get rid of that because there was a movie, I think it was called Up in Smoke with Cheech and Chong. And I got rid of that. Now, remember, this is back in the 80s. And uh, I saw that's where my money was going, so that was easy to get rid of. But the beer, that old lion devil, man, he was working overtime on me with that alcohol. But eventually I got rid of that too. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's what happened. I got the spirit of God in me by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And it cleansed me, made me right. And before that, I couldn't stop drinking on my own. I could cut back. But friends was coming around offering me more, wanting to piece up. Piece up means you you share the price of a dollar fifty beer. You got 75, 80 cents, whatever it takes. You know, you guys piece up and get enough to get even just one beer, two beer, three beer, whatever it is. You you, you save money uh, or piece up to, to get that whatever it took to get that next drink. Oh, how I love Jesus. He touched my soul and he set me free. So he set me free from a world of sin and shame. He set me free from a world of darkness. Hallelujah. He set me free from alcoholism, which would uh, destroy my kidneys or liver, whatever it messes up. Hallelujah. He set me free from trouble with the uh, sheriffs or the Pasadena Police Department. You know, because when you're under the wrong influence, when you're thinking wrong, when you're thinking worldly, sometimes you just get into trouble not even looking for it. Uh, sad to say, that's happening to a lot of people today. They're minding their own business. Next thing you know, snap, you're in trouble with the police. And, and I've been down that road, so I understand that. Fortunate for me, it was an earlier time where the, uh, the culture, a whole different, calmer culture than what it is today. Today is is off the hook. So I'm hoping today that this testimony, my testimony, reaches somebody's mind. Share it with your friends. When they think that they can't, tell them, yes, you can. Listen to this guy's testimony. And that was a long time ago, over two decades ago. And I'm still living for Jesus. I came out the water excited. A few days later, I was still telling people about Jesus. And today, I'm still telling people about Jesus. 
No one has to encourage me. No one has to prompt me from that day, from about two or three days after my baptism until today, I'm still trying to tell people about the goodness of God and that God is a deliverer. I know that because I'm living it by personal testimony. Share this testimony with a friend, struggling neighbor, struggling relative, struggling friend. And I know I couldn't do it on my own, but through Christ Jesus, who gave me the strength by the baptism of the Holy Ghost and by the being born again experience that I and thousands and countless of others have experienced in John chapter three, uh, verses one, uh, verses, yeah, we'll go one through five. Everyone can experience this because in the book of Acts chapter two, it tells us that this is for you and your friends and family and as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the Bible also tells us that many are called and few are chosen. Hallelujah. I believe that you have to have a desire to want to change. I believe you have to have a desire to want to change. And many people do have desires. You have a desire to get a job. What do you do? You go out and look for one. You got a desire to get a new car. What do you do? You go out and look for one. Once you get the job to pay for one, you have a desire to cut your hair. What do you do? Eventually you cut your hair. You have a desire when you first wake up in the morning to use the bathroom. What do you do? You use the bathroom. So if you fulfill that desire, then God will help you. Your desire to change from your secular way of living to come on over to the side of Jesus Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. And and we're going to come back again later on like we often do for our weekly broadcast. But uh, I thought this message, this testimony was very important and worth hearing. Let's pray after this song. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. And I'm going to praise his name. Jesus is just the same. I'm going to praise him. Come help me praise him. Look what the Lord has done. If he did it for me. He can do it for you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, that this message, this testimony is used, Lord, to win somebody to you, used to get a Bible study face to face over the Internet. However, Lord, that they'd be faithful and and be encouraged, hallelujah, to listen and to stay into his word dot com. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. God bless you until we meet again, and we will meet again.